in a in a world where everyone is playing the three true outcomes game, can you win with defense? When like there are entire lineups built to avoid defense, you know. Right. And it seems like the the Cardinals are sort of a unique experiment because they're also like guys throwing ninety miles an hour in the rotation. You're not trying to miss bats. Like nothing they do, you know, plays along to some of these norms. And it's you know I guess you'll find out how much it matters in October. But it's it's just like fascinating to watch and see it work and you know maybe make some people think about how they're building rosters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week by Washington Post National Baseball writer. Do I have the title right? Yeah, I'll take it for sure, yeah. Washington Post National Baseball writer Chelsea Janes. I think that means essentially you cover the Dodgers, right? Is that what that means right now? It seems like it for sure. Yeah, the former Nationals baseball, national baseball beat. Yeah, it's it's... It's a little bit weird right now, yeah. <laughs> we're uh, we're actually in the seats here at the ballpark, formerly known as Miller Park. I will get better at it. I think it's American Family Field now, but I've known it for, what, 20 years as Miller Park. So the former Miller Park. And the Cardinals have won 10 in a row. You've seen them the past two days. Uh, I'll just start off by getting your initial impression of this longest winning streak in 20 years and only the 13th time in 130 years that they've won this many games consecutively. It's crazy. You know, I, like many people, had not considered them a playoff contender until they sort of forced everyone to. Mm -hmm. And you know far better than I do, but it just sort of seems like they're that team right now that is able to make what they need to have happen happen, whether it's like scoring a run in the first inning yesterday without a hit or whatever they're doing. It just seems like they're finding a way and there's nothing that's sort of slowing them. And I think for me, the thing that's kind of standing out is like these are not terrible teams that they're playing. These Mm -hmm. are like actual decent baseball teams so um yeah it's been really impressive and it's fun to kind of see the old guys in the rotation holding it down until the younger guys can get back were they from a national perspective were they completely out of the picture or were they on the periphery or was there this like apprehension around that eventually they would show up what was kind of the national perspective of of them entering say september you know for me i think it was like there were a few teams on the periphery, and if you looked at you know that wild card race, and there were the Phillies and obviously the Reds, but then you kind of look down and the Cardinals are around, and you're like, well, that's actually a team that might be built to do something. So I think like of the teams in the periphery, that was the one you looked at and said, ooh, they might have what they need to make this happen, and it's borne out that way. It's easy to say in hindsight, but um, yeah, they're just much better. And seeing them in person, seeing the names they run out there the way they kind of do things you know it's just like there's definitely a rhythm there and sort of a professionalism that I don't think is present in all teams that I have experienced uh firsthand this year that's not always a question is it the names like you look at Goldschmidt and Arenado Wainwright Molina and Wainwright's having a superb season so do you go okay well those names are going to be there at the end or is there a sense that like well the laundry's going to be there at the (laughs) end the the, the jersey's just going to show up whoever's wearing it you know I think for me the the veteran names made a good difference you know I don't know if that's the right way to think about it but it's sort of one of those things of like, who are you going to bet on when you're at this point in the season and they see an opportunity, probably a team that has seized that opportunity before, even if it was 10 years ago, you know? So I think, um, they've been around, they know what they're doing. You know, they're, they're smart enough to know not only what it takes to win, but sort of what their weaknesses are. They just seem very realistic about who they are in a way that is, uh, not necessarily universal. Yeah. 
you saw the Dodgers. For, were you there? Were there for Scherzer's three thousand yes. strikeouts? So you saw the Dodgers, and they're unbeatable. I mean, they're just like they're invincible with him pitching. Yes. What do you make of them? And how much chaos will ensue if the Dodgers get into that one-game playoff and don't win it, regardless of who it's against? I think that will be a really fascinating case study if it happens because I don't think you can overhaul that team based on one game and yet you know I I don't know what you do I don't know how you improve that roster it's just so loaded there's so much talent you probably try to bring back Scherzer but for me like I just feel like if they're in a one game playoff against the Cardinals there is so much pressure on them on when it comes to everything from like we've talked about do you start Max Scherzer or Walker Bueller are they even available if you've tried to win the division instead you know, if you choose the wrong one and lose, you know, who loses their job over that, if anyone? It's just, it just seems like they're in a, one of those situations that it feels like the Yankees are always in where, like, you win or you're a disappointment. And, and I think that that's a kind of pressure that maybe they're built to handle, mm-hmm. but the Cardinals are sort of also built right now, I think, to exploit because they run and they play defense and they do all the things that make it, make people uncomfortable. And I feel like in a one-game playoff, that could be a huge advantage. Do you think... The, there, there used to be this sense that, like, if uh, if the Yankees didn't get in the playoffs, well, let's add a wild card. You know, make sure that the Yan- like the, the baseball would respond to like if the Yankees weren't involved in something, they'll find a way to get them in. Um, oh, you know, there aren't enough Yankees at the All Star game. Well, let's add a few rosters. There's always whether it's true or not. There's like that perception. Do you think if the Dodgers lose a one game playoff, that we're inevitably going to see the three game wild card next year just because well the Dodgers lost? Yeah, or some some variation of like you know, record mattering more than division, for sure. I, I mean, it's hard to think of, you know, if I'm a baseball executive, it's, you know, we know St. Louis will watch and San Francisco will watch and things like that, but given the choice, you'd, you'd want L.A. in, in mm-hmm. those games. So I, I am fascinated to see what happens if they lose in the, you know, in the wild card game and just sort of how that affects the CBA and all the opinions that will fly. But it would be stunning if they lost in the wild card game and then there isn't some kind of reform to, like, account for best record, I think, anyway. The first game you were here, John Lester won his 200th game, which is exactly how you thought it would happen, right, right. when he started the season with the Washington <laughs> Nationals, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's looked much better, and as you know, better than I do. Just seems like some pretty simple adjustments to his pitch mix and stuff have made a huge difference for him. And I don't, you know, I think he could kind of see the writing on the wall in D.C., never really kind of settled in, but... It's, it's amazing what he and Hap have been able to do. And, in, you know, knowing Mike Maddox from his time in D.C., it's, you know, he's one of those people who kind of... It seems like he has a knack for saying the thing that will get even a veteran player to say, like, oh, that's you know, it's interesting. Maybe you're right. Uh, and it just seems like he's gotten buy-in, and, and the Cardinals have gotten buy-in from those guys. And I don't think that's that easy to do. So that's been really interesting just to kind of watch from afar and see how they've been able to mold two guys that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily assume were moldable at this point. Yeah. One of the things John Lester said that I thought was most interesting was it wasn't that Adam Wainwright helped him. Like, yeah. Adam Wainwright talked to him. Mike Maddox talked to him. Yadier Molina talked to him. And they're helping him with strategy, reading swings, all these things. He said that, you know, there are things that he's not good at. One, one of them was reading swings. He said, now I'm getting a feel for how they do it and why Molina does these things. Um, but he said watching Wainwright go out and excel and succeed at sub-90s stuff yeah. – 
was so helpful because he said it, it made me think that's possible right. as opposed to being around guys who throw 96, 97 and going, well, I can't do that. So what? Right. So it's impossible. I thought that was a really interesting kind of point that he made that like just being around somebody who show, look, you can go off the high dive right. and still, you know, succeed that that helped him. Yeah, I can see, you know, that makes a lot of sense, especially for someone who's used to throwing not too much harder, but a little bit harder than yeah. he's throwing now. And it's, you know, clearly it's not something the Nationals were able to sort of give him the confidence to do. But, you know, in, in talking to Maddox, it was interesting that, you know, he said, like, John Lester made a living early in his career by being able to go inside. And maybe he doesn't have the same trust in that as he used to, so you adjust to that. And it doesn't mean you don't throw inside. It just means you kind of work in a way that feels like it matches who he is now. And I think it's sometimes hard for those guys, as you know, to, like, realize who they are now and, and and adjust but it seems like he's doing it and I wonder how that affects his view of his trajectory I know he said he's open to hearing from the Cardinals and yeah. he doesn't know what he's going to do but um, you know I wonder if it gives him another year or two if he's interested in seeing what he can do yeah that'll be that'll be it'd be really interesting like he and Wainwright as they burnish yeah. their resumes and what that means. I mean, both guys have October, yeah. you know, success. They have rings. Yeah. They have, you know, Wainwright doesn't have 200 wins. Another really strong year or two could get him to 200 wins. Yeah. Does 200 wins matter as much as it used to? Um, you know, Lester now has 200 wins. I mean, it's like, okay, are these these guys are going to be really interesting modern pitcher test case for Cooperstown, I think. Oh, for sure. And that 200 wins, Mark, I was thinking about it because – you know, I looked up when Max Scherzer got strikeout 2,000, and he's not even close to 200 wins, let alone 300. So I think the standards have to sort of change, and, like, it's probably not an automatic bid, but, like, 200 is impressive right now, as I think we all know. So, like, what do you do with that? I don't know. But that was the one that kind of made that hit home, was looking at Max Scherzer, of all people, who's played on pretty good teams over the years. It's not like he's been, you know, buried somewhere, but yeah. is still nowhere near there. And if he can't get there, it's kind of hard to imagine – what it takes to get there you know yeah and he's not like some five and dive guy no. like some five any guy i mean no, he's stick no. or sticks around and right. gets involved in decisions yes. unlike oh, so many pitchers today who aren't even around for right. the decision that that is that does stand out it's interesting and he's like a shoe-in for yes. a hall of famer so maybe he's the guy who he goes in yeah. that win number goes down a little bit and then these other guys kind of elevate right. who have the winds around. And that's fascinating. Yeah. No, I, and I think it would be interesting to, like, talk to somebody like him or Kershaw about, you know, those things. It's just, like, not easy to do. And mm -hmm. even to get to two or 3,000 strikeouts just seems like Max was never hurt in seven years of his mega deal with the Nats. He was hurt maybe four times he missed the start, you know. Um, and to still not be close is, like whoa, this is this is harder than it used to be. For whatever reason. I don't know what that is because, like you said, he's he, he's threatened some murder people who try to take him out of baseball games, you know? Like, it's yeah. not like he's dipping early. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. But it's, you know, I, I bet he would have some good Wainwright thoughts for sure. Yeah. I, 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 a few years ago when Wainwright was trying to reinvent himself, uh, Scherzer pitched in the same spring training game. And it was just was a fascinating conversation because I saw him watch Wainwright, he was done. He'd done his two innings, whatever, 30 pitches, mm -hmm. and he was good. And he could have left Jupiter and yep. drove him back, uh, drove back, drove back. I do try to talk here while well, drove back to <laughs> West Palm Beach 
um, called it a day, but he was stuck around to watch Wayne Ryan, yeah. and I talked to him about it. And he said, "I just want to see what he's doing. I think I get it. I mean, there's there's a mutual fondness yeah. there. They they have a lot of connections, and they become friends, and they do charity stuff together. So it, he 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 he's at least curious. And he was and when he was in with the Dodgers with Albert Pujols um, at Bush Stadium, he was asking about Wayne Ryan, oh, like what's he doing, and and how's he doing it, and you know, I think there's also like some sense. I don't want to read too much into it, but I think there's some sense too that Scherzer sees how old Wainwright is and like Lester goes that's possible I could keep going I mean if he's doing it I can do it I can do it till that age and you know Maxwell like he he would be driven by that I think so for sure you know I think he'll it's hard to picture him stopping pitching I mean but he is someone who hasn't yet had the huge velo drop and if it comes Mm -hmm. I don't know what he does but maybe it doesn't come but it is interesting and he definitely watches like he he has probably offered Wainwright plenty of unsolicited observations of, <laughs> of what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Cardinals the other day, Mike Schiltz said, what's kept them relevant in this race, this was before the long run, was their defense. When you come into this series and see the Cardinals really for the first time in a while in person, does that stand out? Does it stand out to you? Does it, how does it compare to other teams that you've seen? It stands out a lot. And the one that has stood out to me, and I've watched one of the games on TV and yesterday here was like just the presence that Bader has in center field is he just does everything right. And it's like the little things. Like when he takes a ball out of his glove, is he, no matter who's around on base or whatever, he's ready. To, it's like in a throwing position. Like every mm-hmm. little detail is covered. And when you can't beat Arenado, like you look around and you're like, oh, wow. Like, this is a really good infield and I didn't think of it as as such from afar not seeing them regularly because you know the names but then you sort of add up what they each mean and you're like you have an elite third baseman you have an elite first baseman I mean up the middle you're great you know Bader's impressive like Tyler O'Neill can run it's just you're like oh wow this is something and you know in my brief chat with Wainwright the other day he was talking about how he just kind of every once in a while like flicks a sinker out there when he doesn't know what to do and just lets him hit a fly ball to center field and mm-hmm. let Bader go get it. Like, And that's a luxury that I can say for sure that a lot of teams don't have. And it's just impressive to see, like, it just feels like they there's a lot of detail paid attention to, and it seems like it's mattering. I don't know. <laughs> Why do you think it is other teams? I mean, you were around the Nationals as a beat rider for a long time. You, you saw the teams up and down both the East Coast and the East Coast of Florida during spring training. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts as to why, like, that's not just a given for these teams why it's just not you know uh, a given of spring training yeah. that these are the things that you have to drill down on I don't I I also do, have never figured out how the teams that coach it well coach it differently which is interesting like mm. it's not like some of these teams my experience most closely with the Nationals like don't spend spring training trying to do that you know they do I don't know if it's personnel I don't know if if it's just sort of the veterans putting an emphasis on it but it it's really fascinating and there are some teams that are out here taking infield before almost every game the Dodgers take a lot of infield um you know stuff like that but I you know you don't look at them and think they're impenetrable you know but it is interesting and and it's the thing that struck me with the Cardinals even in just like three days of watching them in person is like it matters you know like it, it actually matters they have actually sort of built a team where the defense is a linchpin and like I guess we'll see how well it works but like it it's really impressive and um 
you know, you watch the Yankees, like how many games have unraveled for them because they can't field a ball in yeah. the infield. And it's like, maybe it, the difference is that you don't lose games with it, but it, it seems like the Cardinals are winning games with it. I don't know. Well, there's like a poise that comes with it yeah. too when you trust your defense, like watching the Padres as their season really, I mean, come, I mean they look like a team that's anxious yes. and trying to force <laughs> things. And the Mets who were trying to force things and yes. take that extra bit. And there's like, if you have something She'll cause it an anchor, but really, if if you have a constant that you can cling to, there's a confidence that comes from that and a, and a poise. Like, okay, if we do this right and well, we don't need to force an issue. Right. It'll come around, right? Right. And that's what's interesting is, like, what the Cardinals did yesterday when they, like, scored in the first inning on a sack fly and just kind of, you know, Edmund Steele's second. Like, that's the kind of stuff those teams try to do that they don't do. You know, for them, that's pushing the envelope. For the Cardinals, that's sort of natural to their nature. And I think it's like, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know how you, you, I don't know even know if the Cardinals intentionally built a team where all that comes so naturally, but it, it makes a big difference. And I think it's the kind of stuff that, like, really gets under people's skin in the playoffs when a team like the Dodgers, for example, is, like, trying to meet expectations and is watching somebody push the limit. And, you know, they're going to try to match it, but maybe they're not as kind of equipped to do that. I don't know. It's It's definitely by design, the Cardinal. I mean, when they've been at their best, you go back to 2015, yeah. that was not a team that scored a lot of runs. In fact, right. they were lower third, lower five in runs, but they were the 85 Bears. I yeah. mean, they just yeah. gave up nothing. Yeah. They suffocated upon And watching it game in, game out was remarkable. Yeah. I mean, they just – they were prevent defense the entire time, yeah. and they won 100 games. And they needed to to win that division um, and then ran into the Cubs for the first time in October. Then they went through like a power phase. Like they yeah. were tried to the Brandon Moss and they tried to get more yeah. power and they tried to hit more home runs. That just doesn't play at Bush and it yeah. doesn't play at Bush anymore. Um, even like, like this year's swung to the extreme. And so their sweet spot is kind of run prevention, pitching and defense and, you know, cross your fingers and hope that, pull, you know, Nolan Arnauto pulls a ball right. kind of stuff. Right. That's, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And I, I would have thought sort of the Brewers. I had always thought of them as a maximized run prevention team, and they clearly do a great job, but it's like a very pitching-heavy approach, and their defense is good, but it's not, I don't know, it doesn't feel quite as, like, impermeable. But right. it's also interesting for me just to see, like, in a, in a world where everyone is playing the three true outcomes game, can you win with defense when, like, there are entire lineups built to avoid defense, you know? Right. And it seems like... The, the Cardinals are sort of a unique experiment because they're also like, I mean, in, in, you know, when Flaherty comes back, this will change, but you've got guys throwing 90 miles an hour in the rotation. You're not trying to miss bats. Like nothing they do, you know, plays along to some of these norms. And it's, and I, you know, I guess they'll find out how much it matters in October, but it's, it's just like fascinating to watch and see it work. And, um, you know, maybe make some people think about how they're building rosters. As you've traveled around, have you seen, good games have you seen entertaining games or do you wonder a little bit about like the three true outcome baseball and if it really needs maybe some kind of i guess entertainment jolt i am less worried about it than others but that may be a reflection of the fact that i enjoy a lot of baseball you know i'm not conditional in the same way Mm -hmm. but i i don't know if it's because i've been going places where like you know it seems like the games are matter or it's like a mid-season series between the Astros and Dodgers and everyone's fired up but it oh, I've seen a, a lot of I've seen a lot of really 
really good games, and they've looked different. You know, I mean, some of the early Dodgers Padres games were just chaos. They were like, mm-hmm. they weren't pitchers duels, but they were just chaos. And then you know, even like a game like last night, it was a two-one game. You know, Brandon Woodruff and and Jake Woodford, which you didn't necessarily expect to be, be in the pitcher's duel it was, but, like, those are good games, too, and I don't have a problem with those. So, I don't know. I, I think I've seen a lot of good games, and I think that bodes well for, like, October, but mm. I understand why people worry about, like, losing people in the regular season. But I just, like, for me, some of these games, and I think playoffs recently even, have just been, like, all you could ask for, just total chaos in the best mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Do you get the sense that that'll be kind of the, the aftertaste of the season then, quality baseball in October, and the conversation will evaporate on the style of game? Or do you think that that's going to resurface as the winter becomes about the CBA and you know we try to fill the, uh, the empty space <laughs> without yeah. the hot stove with rule talk or right, something? Right. No, I, I definitely think people will still talk about it. Like I think I'm in the minority I hear I'm one of the only people who kind of sits there and is like am I dumb like am I missing something is is it really that bad um and everyone tells me it is so it must be but for me like I don't have like the 1980s you know style of baseball as a frame of reference I have four and a half hour Red Sox Yankees games in my childhood which were grueling in like a different weird way and I don't know that the nostalgia is totally justified in some cases but um it certainly seems to be the prevailing notion that everything is a mess um and people who've been around longer than me think that i just i just feel content maybe because i was away from baseball for a little bit and came back that like it feels fine to me like it's i don't feel the difference as much as everyone else does um so I'm probably just wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I mean, I, the, the thing is that there's so many great athletes yeah. out there. You know, I contend that like baseball has never had this many great baseball yeah. players. Yes. I mean, throwing harder, hitting harder, yes. running faster, fielding better right. shifts. I mean, it's, it's been a, in a crazy hard time to be a hitter, yeah. but, and all of that means that the talent level is huge here. Yes. But the game grinds down a little bit like we saw the NHL when they yep. couldn't get through the neutral zone. Yeah. And so, but what that does allow for is great games to emerge yeah. because there's great talent. You mentioned the Padres, Dodgers. I, of all things, I saw a great series between the Cardinals and the Rockies. They just were like tons of great games. There were balls in play. There yeah. were great defense back and forth. The Dodgers, Cardinals played a good series in L.A. Um, that okay. then went awry because of Flaherty's injury. Um, and then it kind of tumbled for the Cardinals. But, you know, there were these moments of great games. So I don't, I don't think it's, like, as universal as people right. make it out to be. Um, but, you know, those every so often those August games where yes. somebody employs the zone defense and slows everything down, it gets really kind of – it can be a little grinding. And you go, wait, why so many walks? Yes. Why so many strikeouts and right. stuff? Right. Yeah, the walks, yeah, for sure. You know, but, again, like, a high strikeout game isn't – isn't boring in itself right it's right. like i don't know i to me like the really sloppy games are some of these yankees implosions or you know the mm. mets just kind of like no that's all, you just say the mets yeah the Mets. i have nothing else to add yeah, yeah. um you know like if i'm watching that like the problem is when the ball's in play not when it's not and you know so i don't know i i think i have like a slightly skewed perception of it but it just feels to me like the game always ebbs and flows and, and it'll whether because of corrections that the league tries to make or because of teams like the Cardinals, frankly, having success. Like, clearly, you know, playing the home run game is not the only way to do this. And and so, like, I don't know. I just – I'm not as worried about it as everyone else, and I think perhaps I'm just not as critical in nature, but it's 
to me, like, it'll be interesting to see if the playoffs remedy any of those fears. But I, I don't know. It feels to me like people are watching at least, you know, with the same or renewed interest. I don't know. You, uh, you, you tucked in there that you did step away from baseball for a little bit to, to do a little something called election mm-hmm. coverage for the Washington Post. What was it like going back to Iowa, where you, <laughs> where you lived for a good portion of, uh, of the pre-election cycle yeah. and then got to go back to watch baseball in a cornfield? Yeah, it was. Uh, I was not going to miss the Field of Dreams game after the blood I shed uh, literally and figuratively in Iowa during the campaign. Um <laughs> I think I was supposed to start covering the presidential campaign like January 8th, you know, 2019 and ended up flying to Iowa January 5th. Like it was like one of those things where it was like, that's where you go and you stay there and saw a lot of candidates come through. I could tell you a lot about the geography of Iowa. Um, And I, you know, I don't know if this is because I've only done it once, but I found it to be just like an absolutely fascinating place. Um, People are so they're into what they're into. They care about a lot of things. Um, a lot of the towns are just really kind of fun. I don't know. It was it was much cooler than I expected. Um, no offense to Iowa, <laughs> but I also was able to see Bernie Sanders play in a chair in like not a charity, but like a um, kind of publicity stunt softball game at the Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. and that was interesting in itself. Uh, he like fell down trying to field a ground ball. His wife pulled him, like, out of the game at one point. Like, Double switch? Just, like, told him, get off the oh, field. So, so not strategy. A few, no. A few weeks later, he had a heart attack, so I don't oh know if they gosh. were related. Um, but then to go back to that same spot, like, mm. two years later for a baseball, it was just really trippy. But um, I think they should do it every year. I think I was, like, a real untapped resource. Uh, just, like, a lot of really thoughtful, fascinating people there. And uh, I really enjoyed being there. I... I it was cool. Like, I love Field of Dreams, all of that. But um, it's just a place that has, like, a special place in my heart. And I think people kind of underestimate, frankly, when they're not as familiar with it. So it's cool to see them get that event. And I hope it leads to, you know, more baseball there. Yeah, I, I met my dad there in when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want they, – they had moved. And I didn't want to go to where they moved to because I'm like, I'm not from there. Yeah. Why, why? Yeah. But mid, the midpoint was Field of Dreams. So we met there. And uh, we played a pickup game and, and everything. It was really cool. This was in the 90s. And uh, my dad hit a home run into the corn. And it was incredible. It was just was like, you know, I went and retrieved the ball yeah. and everything. It was really cool. And then uh, about more than 20 years later, I took my son there wow. on a, like, road trip. We went on just, like, a great American road trip. And uh, and he gives me a hard time because I did not hit a ball right, into right. the cornfield. Right. But Grandpa did, so why didn't I? Right. Um, but it is, it's a cool place. I mean, yeah. the, the whether whatever your feelings are about the movie um, or the, the great book by W.P. Kinsella, I mean, this just it's a fun place to go um it all there was something bittersweet about that game in the sense that like iowa is in this monstrous blackout zone for baseball where you know twins brewers cardinals white Sox. you know there's all these overlapping things that make it hard for fans of baseball in iowa to get the team that they want and also that game arrived the year after they moved minor league baseball so much out of small town Iowa. Yes. I mean, it, that that was a hard thing to compete. I was like, wow, this is a great event. But also, like, uh, yeah. baseball kind of ripped the heart out a little bit, and this is their offering. Right. Yeah, it felt, it felt weird, and I know a lot of people there felt the same way. Like, there was the, the end the blackouts billboard. And to me, like, 
Yeah. That's that's an unthinkable thing to be doing. I you know I I understand that I and I have been told many times this by people at the league office that I don't understand the full scope of how this all happens and the you know all the partners involved in those. But to me, like you want as many people as you can to watch baseball, and if someone is complaining that they cannot watch baseball, then that is an egregious situation. There's no excuse. Um, and so I think for me that was I didn't realize it was that bad. I um, I guess I had never tried to watch a local team in Iowa, but it was like really jarring and and makes you sort of wonder, you know, I don't know. It it was definitely like telling, and I think hopefully maybe it kind of spurs them to change something before they go back next year because it's kind of unconscionable to yeah. to do that again. But yeah, that was one of those things that's like just one of those moments that really highlighted sort of the. I think there's really good intentions on a lot of people who stage that event, and you know I don't question that, but I think. You have to kind of look at that and say, can we can we do better? And they always want to expand their reach, but there's people that are reaching out that they're not meeting. So it kind of struck me as as if HBO was saying, look, Iowa, you can't watch Game of Thrones, right, right. but we are going to do Shakespeare in the right, Park, right. one show, fifteen hundred dollar tickets, exactly, and we're going to get like Patrick Stewart to right. play a part. It's right. going to be great, right. but you can't watch Game of Thrones, right. and that, that's what kind of struck me as right. And like, I mean, that game was so poised to like fry some Iowans to the White Sox side of things yeah. like are you kidding me like Tim Tim Anderson Lance Lynn like what more do you want and you know I just hope that they get to see him because it's it's crazy to me that you would ever sort of hold back the product I don't know how that's I'm sure there is a financial justification I don't understand but uh it it doesn't feel like it can be that powerful is that the best game you saw this year that was a really good game yeah that might have been yeah I think it I think that's fair it was awesome I couldn't believe it yeah, yeah. it was a blast alright so last thing I want to ask you is then what did you, did you bring back from the campaign trail that you now apply to baseball riding how do you, do you do you see either your job or covering baseball differently you know besides you know I mean it's the same amount of travel maybe yeah. maybe less travel on baseball less, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's a good question I think one thing is just like a renewed appreciation for the opportunity to be here. I think, you know, there are a lot of people that love to cover politics and it's an honor, but like for me, it was clear that I just really liked being out here and doing this. So like to be able to be in a position to come back and do that is like a treasure for me. And I think that that's maybe one reason why I'm not as critical of the gameplay and stuff. It's like, this is a game. It is still that game. You know, we all get to watch it. Like, we could all probably calm down a little bit about some aspects of it, but that's also not baseball. And I think like I've come to appreciate the dialogue that comes with this sport because it means people care. And I, I think I've slowly developed a theory that, you know, the more people are complaining, the better for baseball because it means they're watching and thinking about it. Yeah. And, um, but I think most, and then Cardinal fans really care about baseball and they do, right. It's, it works. Um, and but, they prove your theory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think also I just, you know, I think you can see sort of the holes in the institution a little more clearly when you kind of come back and mm. analyze the way other, you know, in politics, you're obviously kind of looking at how people lead and what choices they make and what's, how to get out of your way of looking at things and understand that there are many others and um, they're all valid because everyone has that experience. And so I think coming back to baseball, it was like, it just, just evident to me how much, um, work I think the sport particularly Major League Baseball and its teams have to do in terms of sort of validating everyone's experience as corny as it sounds I think you know there's just a lot of decisions that get made that reflect 
an old way of thinking. And I think that if they really want to sort of expand their reach, it's there are things that they do that that hurt that. And I don't know, you know, it, I think it's just sort of realizing that this game can be anybody's, and um, it takes a lot of effort to sort of get anybody into it. You know, I remember I talked to Ken Griffey Jr. about, you know, he's in charge of sort of trying to get black kids back into baseball. And one thing he said is like, you don't just get kids to play at the major league level. Like, you want some kid to say, I want to be the video guy and go up mm. in the front. Like, I, I want kids yeah. to feel welcome in all aspects of this game, and not just if you're a great athlete. And um, I think for me, like politics showed me that there's a lot of ways to kind of be a part of the machine, whether you're on the ground in Iowa doing things and you know, that that people want to be involved and I think that that's probably true here too and that, you know, you just have to open those pipelines as much as you can. That, that yeah, that's a great answer. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that's really, it, it is really yeah, that's it, it, I had not thought about like kind of the infrastructure yeah. part of it. That's a great point and you know, the, the the one thing that I think that I've kind of like you mentioned your theory, like the one kind of theory that I've cradled a little bit is that baseball is on a really defining precipice yeah. as the country emerges. We hope we hope from a pandemic and they arrive at the expiration of a CBA. Baseball's always been part of what brings the country back. We had a reminder of that, you know, earlier this month when yeah. the 20th anniversary you know, and all the memorials and the tributes that were related to the 9-11 attacks. Um, baseball was a part of communities coming back together. Right. What happens when those communities are ready to come back together and there's a lockout right. and baseball's not there? You know, and especially like what we've talked about, especially if they have a whole September yeah. and October of momentum. Right, right. I Yeah, I mean, I feel that I can say this pretty definitively even as like an unbiased sort of reporter role that I think it, any kind of lockout strike is like unconscionable and part of anyone involved. I just feel like if you, I understand labor uh, but it's avoidable. It's, you know, and I think out of true respect to everyone involved like I don't think you can put everybody through that and expect to ever get the benefit of the doubt again and I know in 94 I was really young I, I didn't experience it but um, I think they're lucky to be where they are after that because at this point you know I think we, we saw how happy people were to have it back in mm. any form I mean I remember when the game started playing there were no fans in the stands I watched like every game for the first week because I was yeah. so happy and no that's not everyone not everyone's a baseball fan but why you know why put yourself in a position to alienate the ones who are you know keep those guys and then build from there but yeah I, I hope they, they avoid that because I think it's it would show a priority of individuals sort of over the state of a game that has always been bigger than them all right and then the last thing i want to ask you if the cardinals pull this off yeah. september 7th they're what they their playoff chances according to fan graphs and yeah. all the modeling that they do was 2.8 now as we talk it's 90 yeah. percent that was just like 12 games ago yeah. which is remarkable it speaks to what the other teams are doing which yeah. also happened in 2011 where that championship and that parade and david freeze and the rally squirrel and all that stuff yeah. does not exist if not for the atlanta braves yeah. falling down the stretch so if the cardinals pull this off are they a team that people rally around as an underdog or are they the team that people go man they make us like the dodgers oh i think they would be 
America's sweethearts playing the Dodgers. Yeah, I think everyone kind of hates the Dodgers now, for sure. To me, it's like, I remember Steven Strasburg saying this when the Nats won the World Series. It's like, maybe this year we're the buzzsaw. Like, it just seems like every year there's one team where you beat, you play them and you can't beat them. And you don't know why the Nationals were not that good that year, and they caught fire at the right time. And I don't think you can argue that there's any team doing that better right now than the Cardinals. And I think anybody that knocks off the Dodgers is going to be... Uh, cult hero outside of Southern California for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. Yes. That's Chelsea James of the Washington Post. I will see you in October. Thank you very yeah. much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design of St. Louis can help you get organized with 40% off plus an additional 15% off and get free installation. Call 1 800 by Design today. That's 1 800 B Y D E S I G N. Closet by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. You can find the best podcast in baseball anywhere you get your podcasts. It's also available on stltoday.com, along with all of the constant Cardinals coverage. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. This has been the best podcast in baseball. Talk to you soon.